listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Not bad. I'm recovering from a very wonderful couple of months of crazy and stress and all the things. How about you? I've been the same. I mean, autumn's my favorite time of year, but holy cow, it's like, what happened in October? What happened in November? What? It just, it, I felt things were so much bigger and harder to deal with during those two months. Well, and I know for me personally, there was this thing called an election or something. Oh, yeah. It was a little stressful. Um, And then, of course, watching all of the social media interactions as well and learning about people's preferences sometimes is a bit overwhelming. Um, But again, it's time to focus back on what we can focus on and what we love, which is tarot, of course. Yes, of course. And here we are, finally, chapter six of Mary Kay Career's Tarot for Yourself. Holy cow, we're here. And and to be fair, holy cow, this is a (laughs) big episode or chapter that becomes a big episode. Um, And there is a lot in this chapter. It's very meaty, I think. Yes, it it brought when I started reading it back in October and I started coming up with because I like to try and figure out how I can make worksheets for everybody. But when Mm -hmm. I started reading this, I felt drawn back into high school when I was in year three of Spanish class where year one and two, we just memorize some words, memorize some sentences, whatever, and just get by with A's. The first test I took in year three, though, it was like, no, that's not going to fly. You actually have to comprehend Espanol. And I was like, that's how I felt with this chapter. It's like it hits you. She just kind of hits you with the, okay, you think you know, Caro? Well, let me show you 10 layers deep of something else you can do with this small snippet called the Celtic Cross. And I was just like, oh my God, this is right. Wow, Mary, drop us into this. Wow. I agree. It was one of those moments of, oh my goodness, what are you doing to us? Again, this is probably going back through my old notebooks going, did I get this far? Because remember, we had this conversation back <laughs> yes. when we started all of this. Yeah. I think this is the one that sh- said, you've learned this chapter, you're done now. Go sleep. And then I just never picked it up. So I'm very glad to have worked through this chapter and, you know, really stuck to it. Um, so that was kind of nice to be able to finish it and feel like, okay, I think I get it now. I'm old enough. And I have to say that because I was 20 something the last time I, you know, really focused on this and I am not that young anymore. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of exciting. And it was great to say, you know, having all this other time of having studied tarot and how I don't use the Celtic cross. And it gave me lots of ideas of ways that I would like to use the Celtic cross versus just using it the you know, the boring way that all the books tell you. I hear you. What I like about this chapter is you know, it's called permutations, which mm-hmm. are changes, alliterations, rearrangement, rearrangements, according to Webster. But, and while Mary uses the Celtic cross as the example, I think that if you use other layouts, either the half a circle or a defined shape to them, you can probably come up with your own permutations. So this chapter really teaches you kind of not just, you know, lay down five to 10 cards, but how can you play with them? How can each other card that isn't sitting next to one another interact? And it's, Oh yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. If you haven't tried this chapter yet, go back and do it. It's 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 crazy. It's it's yeah. awesome. And it really gets your juices flowing. And I think that that was the best part of it. It it made me re reevaluate the Celtic cross in a way um, because of these different ways to look at the Celtic cross um, and reconnect with you know cards do have relationships and these are different ways to look at those relationships which were really helpful. I think for me anyway. Um, again, your mileage may vary, um, but I will tell you it it took the Celtic cross that I did 
and gave me more layers to look past just the basic spots that we had when we did this uh, Celtic cross study back previous chapters. I know for me, it took me almost the entire day. I sat down to work on this um, a couple of weeks ago and literally like from noon to six, it took me because you're, um, if you're following along with Mary's um, procedures, you, you do the actual Celtic cross spread. Um, in this case, Rose and I both did a brand new Celtic cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you wanted to save some time, you could go back and revisit chapter two or chapter three's Celtic cross, but I wanted to do this fresh and new. So I used the Celtic cross worksheet that I created and went through the whole thing. And then I also recommend taking a picture of your um, original spread because as you move cards around, sometimes the uh, instructions weren't as clear as my tech writer brain wanted. So I'd have to go back, reset, start things up. But it's amazing the different, it's not just permutations of read cards one, three, five in their current positions. It's literally moving around, creating new spread shapes to play with. So it was great to have that snapshot to go back to what, and I, I do feel like I need to go back to play around and to make sure that I actually truly understand each little permutation. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was great too, is it? I mean, because I didn't, I, I wrote it down instead of doing it on a worksheet because your worksheets are great, but sometimes I don't like to cheat. Um, I just, and it, it helps my memorization to handwrite things. Yeah. So I made, and I kept going back to that, you know, page where I'd written it to make sure I'd put the right cards in the right spots with the different permutations. Because um, again, you are moving them out of the order you're used to. Yeah. And it's kind of great to have that brain switch mm-hmm. and, and being able to shake things up. And for a lot of readers, I think a lot of early readers forget that you can have this um, playful attitude towards the cards. It's it's like, OK, I've got five cards. I'm going to put them into a tri- or a large triangle or, you know, the, the, the first part of the Celtic cross. And then you don't you don't touch them. It's sacrosanct, you know, must keep them in the same place. And yet you forget that you can play around with these cards. You can move them. You can do all sorts of three um, card spread, mini three card readings out of this out of these five cards. Right. And I think that was the best part about all of this is shaking up my brain to go, oh, right. I don't have to leave them just like this. I can still pull these 10 cards and move them around to make sense out of them, which was great. You know? Yeah. So I guess um, we each had some favorites of these four. So technically there are four permutations at the beginning of this chapter that she gives you to use with your basic Celtic cross. And I know I had one that I really liked and one I kind of went, oh, I think I've done this before on another in another space. And I'll talk about that. But Jamie, you want to talk about the one you liked the best? Because I really, I didn't grok it as well as you might have. So I want to hear how you did it. Okay, so the one I liked the most was the last one, Permutation 4. This one, um, she refers to it as, get into my notes here, the path of Hermes. It shows patterns and behaviors established around similar issues. And I'm guessing this is kind of what, what why I glommed onto it was because I've been looking at my own patterns and my own behaviors around either my own um, ruts in my brain where I've created all these habits around and I'm trying to get out of them. And I've noticed a lot of um, some of my friends and clients are also kind of doing this thing. So I think part of the reason why this is currently my favorite is because of all that, that I guess here in uh, November, December, you know, the the fallow time is when we start looking at this stuff and start getting ready for the springtime. So I really enjoyed this where I was able to literally kind of pull some of these cards. Like I pulled it from my Celtic cross, the fool, Mm -hmm. five of swords, the two of pentacles and the queen of swords. Ooh. Um, and let's yeah, I mean all my all my cards, but the way that we pulled them out and explored them, mm-hmm. um, the four was what I was trying to manifest, which is to me new perspectives, new paths, being silly, being playful, being excited about you know things or or places or ooh, you know, having that ooh factor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the five of swords was opposing that. 
which is huge because in a lot of places, you know, a standard definition of it would be um, defeat. But I'm looking at that as trauma from my past. I was using the dark wood tarot. And if you look at the dark wood tarot, the five of swords has a woman kind of chained up, tied up loosely to a tree with another woman who's got a sword. And at first that's all I saw. But if you look really close to the woman who's kind of tied up, her back's exposed and she's got swords in it. Oh, it's like being, you know, being used as a dagger board almost. I know that's kind of graphic, but that's what brought up the trauma. You know, that idea of somebody who is behind you poking you. Right. And I'm like, ooh, (laughs) that's deep. Yeah. So it was just so much fun to see this. Like the one card, one of my favorite cards, the Queen of Wands. That's kind of how I see myself as trying to move into this fantastic, leo and creative, dramatic, wonderful person. Apparently that's my resistance card Hmm. in the spread. Like I'm afraid to claim this because of how maybe others might see me or other rejections. Yeah. And it was just, again, it just kind of, you know, how do I assert 10 of swords? Just let it all go. Literally, you know, 10 of swords is, you know, again, one of those negative cards. Nobody likes to get in reading, but here it's a freeing card for me. So it was just really kind of neat to see how all these 10 cards from my initial Celtic cross reading of what things should I focus on right now? Give me this greater in depth to how can I look at myself, my patterns, my past, and kind of get out of this where like the last card was the eight of pentacles. Mm -hmm. And that's like, if I do these things and I learn all these boundaries and limitations and commitments, I'll get a deeper commitment to my work and what I love to do, Mm -hmm. which again, it's fascinating. You know, you come into a client, oh, just tell me about my love reading. And then you end with a prescription on here's how to fix your head. Right. It's crazy. Well, and then that's the kind of thing. And like my last card in that particular, um, Permutation was turn page, turn page, uh, the King of Pentacles. Ooh. And so it was kind of that moment of if I just do the work, I will be successful. I need to trust myself, you know? And that was just like, oh, really? Do you have to hit me so hard? <laughs> Gosh, darn I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing about these things. It's like it gives you a shakeup on what you think you know and kind of goes, mm, here, let's. And there are questions that go with some of these things too, which is kind of why I dug uh, the. Let me talk about permutation number two. Go for it. Which I really liked as well, because you regroup the cards into past, present, and future and how they talk to each other, like what they correspond with. Like in the thing, the past group is the fourth card, the third card, and the ninth card. Your present is your first card, your second card, your seventh card, and your eighth card. And then your future is the 10 under over the five and the sixth card. And I thought that was kind of fascinating because you know, you answer these questions, like, for example, um, what is the issue in the past that's still unresolved? What abilities and knowledge that you uh, previously developed are you drawing on now in your past? So that was kind of cool to be able to answer that question. And then they they ask you more questions as you go, and you kind of fill in um, the personalities of the cards in your present and in your future. And that was really kind of a shake of a moment of like, wait, what? Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Like um, for my future expression, so it's my future expression of uh, the Ten of, of Pentacles, which is stern and triumph, uh, stern triumphantness will be the outcome of, and then you do your five and your six card. And I said, hardworking creativity and upon trusting my inner strength and uh, talking about my fears, because I had the King of Pentacles strength and nine of wands. Dang. And so it was like, oh, okay, just punch me a little harder. <laughs> Remind me again that I, you know, self-sabotage sometimes. And I totally do. 
I, I own that. Oh yeah. But we all do. You don't need it punched in your face right in that moment, which is why this took me so long to do as far as the chapter goes. Cause we both had those stressors going on for ourselves. Um, I, had an early, I had an early um, instructor on magic to give me a, um, a thing, you know, like saying, Back in the day, we called it the clue by four, the universal clue by four. Yes. And readings like this give you that clue by four. It's literally the universe kind of coming up to your back of your head and going boop with like a board or a hand and going, here's your clue. Yes. Duh, do it. Or, or when it was you know, the gib slap, if you will, from an NCIS, you know, whatever your, yeah. yeah. but yeah. So the other permutation I wanted to talk about real quick, because again, they were all pretty good. The the second one and the third one were my favorites. Um, but the third one specifically was like, oh. I recognize this. Um, James Wanless has a version of it as well. And this one came uh, from influences from Angelise Arian, according to Mary, she credited her. And I was like, Ooh, I remember doing something similar. Um, And this is called the whole person uh, summary spread. And basically you do your Celtic cross and then you break out the cards by suit. Ooh. Yeah. And you put all the wands together, all the cups together, all the swords together, all the pentacles together and all the majors together. And then you count how many you have and then you figure out the feeling of those, of what the message is from those cards. And ironically enough, you want to look at also, like, because sometimes you may not get any of those. For example, in mine, I got no swords in my Celtic cross this time around. And so what does that mean? And it gives you that little information about what is it you need to look at? What should, what, what are you not worrying about? Um, and so it really is kind of an interesting way to look at it as you break them down as to, you know, what is feeling and what is this and what is the, you know. Yeah. And so, um, and ironically enough, I got one wand, one cup, no swords, four pentacles and four majors. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was kind of like, whoa, I guess this is a big reading. Because again, with majors, if you, ha- you know, depends on how many you get. Um, so that was kind of an interesting look at it from a different perspective. Because the one that I'd done with wandless, we do similar things, but you build a body an actual body yeah. out of the cards and they, they go into different spots in his, his diagram. He, he added, uh, he separated out court cards as well for his, that's how he differentiates his readings from what Angelise and Mary are saying. So they're very co- copacetic and, and cohesive. They can be done together, but I really liked this look at it in a way that I hadn't before. Yeah. I, I got a little bit of everything. So I, my reading kind of was a little balanced, but I had most swords. So that's kind of interesting that you had no swords and yet I had all. So I guess I had all of them for the both of us. Well, you know, you are more more in your brain about stuff than I am, I think. Sometimes. Oh my God, am I ever? And I, I desperately have been trying to pull out of a lot of that because it does get tiring sometimes to be up in the head. Um, like you, one of the things that I found very similar to something I got taught by another James, James Wells, was the um, breakthrough exercises where the breakthrough process in Mary's eyes is kind of like um, a value added type of addition that you can add on aka homework and it's she wants you to pick on three cards whereas the I um, homework that assignment type thing that I've learned from James is pick one card create three um, helpful qualities and then you do a 24-hour one week one month homework based off that and here you're supposed to kind of do that with three cards and then kind of go through some extra questions, make an affirmation that you can use that you actually do the homework for. Right. And so I like that this gives me an an additional kind of um, homework way for readings that James's version wouldn't work for, but now I can possibly slide in and use Mary's. Yeah. And it's a good way to combine the two teachers that we love, two teachers that we love, not just the two teachers that we love, two of the teachers that we love. And I think we both have those 
pluses on our side. We have the Jameses in our back pockets, if you will. Yes. <laughs> but folks, that's not all. She also does a little thing with permutations and the basic three card reading, which I found really kind of fun um, because, you know, you're used to doing body, mind, spirit. Okay. Um, and then some people, and I am some of those people, uh, like to add extra cards to that three cards so that I get, you know, more more cards because it's always nice to have more stuff. And so what, and Mary talks about that in the next section on using your basic three card readings to do other things. So uh, the very first part is, you know, doing your regular three card and then a hidden factors three card and then um, helpers, if you will, to deal with your hidden factors and your, your, your basic things. And it was just that moment of, oh, geez, um, because... All of my mind cards in that pull were majors. Oh, wow. And that was the center section. Um, <laughs> and it was just kind of funny, you know, and then you you pick nine, you do the nine, and then you pick one more. And that 10th card is, you know, just like as in, you know, it kind of breaks down into a Celtic cross in a way. But that 10th card is the key to this whole nine cards you've pulled, which I thought was fascinating. I loved it. it. It reminds me of a Lenormand nine square in a way where, you know, you start with a three combination sentence and then you can build up upon it and build and unfold it, unpack it. It's like this little gift. And the final card is that last thing that, you know, some people are like, well, why didn't you just start with that? Or just end with that. It's like, no, you got to through, go through the process of discovery and learning everything because that's what we do with tarot sometimes is we learn all these things. But yeah, I, I've, I enjoyed it. And and you build on it, and and that's what leads into these other two exercises that you did yes. really well. So tell me, how did that work for you? Yeah, so like Rose said, you know, the, the story doesn't end with the permutations on the Celtic cross or the three-card expansions. No, she also gets us into yes and no questions or either or, which is something I've always been told you must shy away from it because tarot isn't that good at it, blah, 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 blah. But I love that Mary's like, let's play with this idea. Let's do it. And she, I love the idea that she kind of teaches. And I know that recently on Facebook, she did do something um, for, I think it was about the election or this, the hullabaloo after the election. Mm -hmm. She did use her yes, no question methodology, but expanded it to five cards. So in her method, you use an odd number of cards, th three cards in this case, and that center card equals two yeses or two noes. So you get, so you're able to actually sway one way or another on the pendulum. And if you really do get half and half, then yeah, I guess it is the universe telling you, eh, could go both ways. You decide. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there going, what can I do? My question I decided to, to poll was, should I mail stuff on Monday? Again, it's a yes or no question. And I was like, okay, let's see how this works with the most mundane of questions. For my past, I got the Wheel of Fortune, or sorry, uh, yeah, the Wheel of Fortune reversed. Oh, this also works where you have to actually have half of your deck or some cards in your deck turned upside down to really have it be fairly equal to get either a yes or no. Yeah. So the past was the 10 of, um, sorry, number 10, the Wheel of Fortune reversed. That equaled one no. Okay. Reverse um, can be- We got one no. We have one no. The present was the seven of wands reversed. That told me two no's. Two no's. And then the future is the page of cups reversed. So that was another no. So that's three no's. Yeah, well, four, because the oh, president... Right, double, right, yeah, double. Yeah, so the answer was a, a, a huge no. And looking at those three cards reversed, it was kind of like they were saying, wait for a better day. Mm -hmm. The funny thing was about this reading is that on Friday, um, at just a couple of days before the time of our, our recording, I got an email from a supplier who was supposed to be sending out a present for somebody that I care about mm -hmm. soonish. And I didn't know when it was going to be here. And it, I, it, the email said, hey, this thing's been shipped. And it'll be arriving on the Monday that my question specifies. So I'm like, hey, 
this stuff works, TSW, like some of our friends like to say. So yeah, I mean, it worked on a mundane thing. The either or was also kind of interesting Mm -hmm. where it's like, if I I do a decision tree spread where I kind of future cast out, like what will a year look like depending on, you know, decision one, two or three. Right. But this one kind of gives you a condensed version of that where you, or where you just pull three cards and have your decisions. Yeah. And then based off of that, you do a yes or a no type of story. And then I always look at, you know, what the card actually says to kind of get more in depth of why you're telling me to do one thing versus the other. Yeah. And it's just really kind of fun to play around with the cards where sometimes you don't have to look at each meaning. Yeah. And in the case of these um, two um, quickie, the yes and no, or the either, or it's just fun to just slap down cards and go, okay, that's a yes. That means two no's. That's a, that's a maybe, or it could be a yes. And then decide whether or not based off of that. Yeah, and I thought that was really fascinating. Um, And it also brought to mind a technique that I learned um, from John Mendez, um, who is uh, local to me and is part of Koru Kathabodwa. And he talks about um, checking checking your tarot and checking your divination with a binary system, which is kind of what this yes-no uh, pulling reminded me of. Um, you have to have odd numbers, as we said, three, five, whatever. If you go more than that, sometimes it gets a bit much. But you you pull things that will work like that. And another person that I know, uh, Laura O'Brien, also does it kind of with a white stone, a, a black stone, and a gray stone. So you have, you know, that is a way to do it as well. Um I believe that's how that works. And if not, Laura, please forgive me. Um, That's what I'm remembering right now. Um, Or you've just created a new new idea to do a yes, no, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, And the point, though, is that you can um, do these readings as confirmations to what you think your tarot did. You you can use these extra things. And it's like if you have... uh, you know, th- the three pieces, uh, if they, they, they're turned a certain way. I mean, again, it depends on what you're using. Um, if I remember correctly, John used little, uh, stone faces that could be turned up or down. You shake them and you drop them and whichever way they're, they're laying. Um, and also John, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but again, these are things that you can do to add layers to your tarot readings and make them broader and deeper. And I think that was really great about this chapter is it gave you another way to look at tarot. Not just in the same everyday, yeah, yes, this is a Celtic cross. By the way, this one is your hopes and fears. This is how others see you. That's your ultimate goal. Moving on now? You know. Yeah. I, and that's what I kind of loved about it. It was, it, and, but it's a lot. It was a lot. And those two months, I think I appreciated being able to focus and do a little bit at a time. Yes. Same here. So thank you listeners for giving us that space. <laughs> In chapter seven, we're going to give you a hint of what it's called. I'm just going to tell you the title. Dealing with moods, emotions, and relationships. Ooh, that's a lot. More deep stuff, sounds like. But I also have one other thing to share with you, Jamie. Oh, really? What is that? There's an event happening in January that I think we are both virtually attending. Oh, yes. Well, you know, I don't even think it's we're both virtually attending. I think it's we're both actually presenting even, aren't we? Oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't forget. I'm kidding. Um, yes. We are both <laughs> presenting different, different topics. We're not, we're, for once, we're not doing the same thing together. Actually, we don't <gasps> generally present together in general. We can but only yes. take so much of each other, really, you know? No. Yeah, well, there's only so much you all need of us as well. Yeah. And also, uh, so that is called, dun, 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 Starcon. S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N. It's the Southwestern... Alliance. I can't remember the acronym name, but it's it's. Hold on, it's, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's basically Florida's newest convention, hosted by Christiana um, Gardo, and it's unfortunately going to be hosted virtually for their first year. 
But Rose and I, Benabel Wen, Jenna Matlin, many other fan favorites to teach tarot are going to be showing up at this conference. And we are all going to have a lot of fun online, teaching one another, sharing each other's notes, ideas, and, you know, virtual space with one another. Yeah, it will be very exciting. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, and it is S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com, in case anybody missed that. And it's the Southeastern Tarot Artists and Readers Conference. I am looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it when it was supposed to be in real life, in, in, in real life. It's all in real life, but in, in person. And then this year has happened and it's been, you know, so virtual is going to be the best thing for us, I think. And I'm very excited no matter what, how it goes, because all these people I love and I love hearing how they all present things that always bring new meaning and new interest to to me um and it also takes yeah. place january 22nd through the 24th again it's going to be online i'm not sure what platform they're going to be using yet but you can go to sarcon s-d-a-a-r-c-o-n.com and find out you know buy tickets and sign up and register for all the goodies and the great stuff that we are all going to be doing in just a short month and a half or so wow it's, it's soon it's just around the corner oh, december geez can speaking you believe of, it speaking of things this is the last thing i'm going to talk about before we head out because um, we have had a lot of stuff happen because of COVID and life and what have you. And um, before times, in the before times, Jamie and I, well, Jamie gets to do a lot of things and she's pretty awesome. She oh, has wow. books and she authors decks and sometimes she gets to choose the art and sometimes she doesn't. And that's okay because she's amazing no matter what happens. But I got the opportunity to work with Jamie on a tarot deck. And I'm very excited about it. It's called the Vox Arcana Yay. and the voice of the tarot. Now, the cool thing about it is it was, we just had so much fun with it, I think. Um, and the the crazy thing is we didn't get to choose the exact cards. We just were given, here's, here's a bunch of cards, make them make sense. And I think we did a great job with that. And it was a lot of fun. The cool thing about this deck is that, like Rose said, we didn't get to pick it, but it was a collaborative effort um, of over 78 artists. So each artist got to make a card and then we got to design the world around it so that each card lends its voice literally into like a choir or a drama production for everybody to see. And there's some really cool art in this deck. There's some amazing art in this deck and I'm really excited about it. And the other cool thing, and this is again not something we got to choose, but the artists themselves were asked as after they had made their art, what song influenced your art? And not all of the artists had songs, but a majority did. And they're listed in the back of the little notebook that comes with it. I am normally the person that says, throw away the book, not this time. Because there's just so much other stuff in here um, that is just great. Like there's spreads that we created, but there's also all of the, the names of the artists and what they created, and where you can find them online, which I thought was amazing. And then, of course, the songs, because I'm a music person. So this was really cool to go back and go through and go, well, what did who, who did that? And did they have a song with their card? They did, and this is the song. And now I can go listen to the song. And now so can you. So I want to recommend that part of it, because that was really special, in my opinion, that you got to hear a song that influenced that art. And that just adds another layer to it, in my humble opinion. I agree. It was so much fun. And we had a great time with it. And I just, I, I was very honored to be able to work with Jamie on it. It was fun. There's nothing better than to make, there's nothing better than making a fun deck with your, with one of your besties that also has a collaborative effort into it. So we hope you all enjoy the Vox Arcana tarot and that you can find it at your local bookstore or metaphysical store. Please shop small this year or go online at like IndieBound or Bookshop and see if you can find and support a local bookshop near you. But yeah, it is available at Llewellyn 
because they distribute low scarabeo and it's also available of course at the big fiery bird site but you know shop local this year it's much better yeah other than that thank you rose for popping on and sharing your stories about chapter six and being here today and thank you for taking the time to do all of this and of course we want to thank our wonderful wonderful musical collaborator uh kendra elford who not only edits our podcast anymore also provided the music at the beginning and the end she wrote that yep. and it was just like oh for us so I, i'm grateful for that um as well so and and she has her own music channel and we'll maybe include it in some of the show notes ding all right so have a great rest of your day and we look forward to talking to you again next time bye thank you for listening to tarot visions a podcast for the modern oracle to keep the conversation going, find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions.